Welcome to the web broadcast of New Life Foursquare Church in Milledgeville, Georgia. Thanks for joining us today. We encourage you to download the sermon notes from our website and follow along as Dr. Terry Stair brings you the uncompromising Word of God. Here's Dr. Terry Stair with today's message. I want to read you a couple of things real quick. A father wanted to read a magazine, but he was bothered by his little girl. Rebecca. She wanted to know what the United States looked like. Finally, he tore a sheet out of his magazine on which was printed the map of the United States of America. Tearing it into small pieces, he gave it to Rebecca. And he said, go into the other room and see if if you can put these pieces together. This will show you what our whole country looks like. After a few minutes, she returned with the map completely and correctly taped together. The father looked at her and said, How'd you do that? She said, On the other side of the paper was a picture of Jesus. When he got the paper back, he realized that she had learned the secret to keeping our country together. It was Jesus. She didn't try to put the country together. She tried to put Jesus together. And that was easier for her. This story is told of an old man who lived on a farm in the mountains of Kentucky. He had a grandson. And each morning his grandson would uh, come in and sit at the table with him. And he would open up his Bible and begin reading this old worn out Bible. His grandson, who wanted to be just like him, tried to imitate him in every way he could. One day the grandson said, Papa, I've tried to read the Bible just like you, but I don't understand it. And what I do understand, I forget it as soon as I close the book up. What good is it to read this book? The grandfather quickly turned from putting coal in the stove and said, Take this coal bucket down to the river and bring back a bucket of water. The boy did as he was told. And even though all the water leaked out before he could get back to the house, the grandfather laughed at him and said, you have to move a little faster, son, next time. And sent him back down to try again. This time the boy ran faster, but the basket was empty before he ever got home. Out of breath, he told his grandfather, it's impossible to carry water in a water in a, in a, uh, in a coal buck, uh, basket. He said, can I use a bucket instead? He said, no, you have to use this basket. I do not want a bucket of water. I want a basket of water. You can do this. You're not trying hard enough. And he went out the door to watch the boy try again. At this point, the boy knew it was impossible to carry water in a basket. But he wanted to show his grandfather that even if he ran as fast as he could, the water would all leak out anyway. So he scooped up the water and he ran real fast. But when he reached his grandfather, the basket was empty again. Out of breath, he said, Papa, it's useless. Can't you see that? So you think it's useless, said the grandfather. Look at the basket. The boy looked down at the basket and for the first time he realized 
that the basket, instead of having dirty, old coal in it, was now clean. So that's what happened when you read the Bible, said the old man. You may not understand it, and you may not remember it, but when you read it, it changes you from the inside out. That's how God works on us. To slowly change us and transform us. We may read it and not remember it. But it still does its work. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you for the word. We pray that this morning, Lord Jesus, your word will minister life to us. That cleans us from the inside out. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Luke, the 10th chapter, the first through the second verse. Jesus appointed 70 others also and sent them out two by two to places where he was about to go. And he said to him, The harvest is great. The laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. It is true that we are living in a time when the harvest is great. It's everywhere. But reaching this harvest is so difficult and so different. Does anybody in here agree with me that the devil has worked real hard to make it hard on us to try to reach people? Yes. You know, we can't go to a marketplace anymore. In the olden days, a marketplace was a place where people gathered and you talked about business and you had... Now we go to a marketplace, you know we don't ever talk to nobody. Do you? Do you go to the grocery store and talk to people? Or you just walk around in there with 500 people and never say anything? We used to have places where people gathered and communicated. That's why when I used to go to camp, I used to love the fellowship tree. Because at the fellowship tree, there was always about five or six people around there just talking about nothing. You could always just go up there and sit down and either listen or join in. The other night, Debbie and I were at Golden Corral and I heard someone talking about something and it was very encouraging, but I didn't feel that I could join in. Because, you know, even though we're only sitting this far away, that's their table. That's their private life. They may be talking loud enough for me to hear, but it may not be in decorum for me to butt into what they've said. The enemy has made it so hard for us to be able to touch one another's life because he's put all these barriers in the way. All these things that interfere with us being able to get close to one another and touch one another that we actually have to look for ways. Debbie and I were in, the, in Atlanta Thursday and then again on Saturday. Everywhere there's a billboard about churches. Everywhere. If I was trying to decide where to go to church, would I go and look for a billboard? Did it tell me? Evidently, some people do. Isn't it amazing that we've had to come to the modern day to where we can't reach out to people anymore? We now have to put a billboard up. I asked Pastor Scott, I said, Pastor Scott, if you had to make a choice between direct mailing and a billboard, which would you go with? He said, Terry, he said, let me tell you this. We got a few families from the billboard. But we got a whole lot more from the direct mail. A whole lot more. 
I'm glad he told me that because, you know, I was praying about it. I was asking God, help me to know what to do. I want to do something to help minister to this community. What can I do? Well, thank God Marielle's got a whole degree now. We're going to put together a plan and a program to direct mail to the city of Milledgeville. And Marielle's going to help us. We're going to put together a CD. A good quality professional CD. Some of you people's faces will be on it. That's why, you know what? I don't want a visitor to come to this church and they go, Where's that person I saw in the video? Don't stay home that day, please. Do you know that's what happens? Have you ever had that happen? You invite somebody to church and then you weren't there that Sunday? I've actually seen that happen here four or five times. Somebody would come in and say, I'd say, hello, I'm Pastor Terry. How you doing? Glad to have you. And they'd say, where's so-and-so? I'd say, uh, I don't know. So your pictures would be on these videos. Or not video, but DVD. So make sure that you uh, invite people and come. We're going to have this so that we, you can actually give it to somebody. Have you ever been talking to somebody and you just wanted to tell them about your church but you didn't have the time to tell them a whole lot of stuff? We're going to get some videos or, or DVDs. You can just carry them along in the car and just give it to somebody. You, you meet somebody in Walmart, just say, hey, I'd like to invite you to the church. Here, take this home and, 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 and it'll tell you about our church. Be exciting. We can build this church by reaching out to people. Not with the goal of building the church, but with the goal of reaching to people. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of people that need to read the Bible. I know a lot of people that need to have fellowship with other believers. I know a lot of people that need to have the Word change their life. They need that. And it's up to us to make sure that we reach out to them. This is a special day. Debbie told me, don't make it a history lesson. I'll try not to. This is a special day. 400 years ago, in 1607, the Jamestown colony was founded. 400 years ago. You know how long that is? 400 years! On the beach, in Virginia Beach today, there's thousands of Christians gathering to celebrate this day. This is called Celebration and Commemoration Day in Virginia Beach. They're celebrating the founding of America. Somebody said that, the, that the, uh, uh, the, the state of Virginia has decided not to have any big celebration about this because, you see, the, the, uh, uh, the Native Americans are calling it an invasion. It was an invasion. So the state of Virginia doesn't even want to talk about it. They just want to kind of let it go, forget about it. It was not an invasion. Do you know what it really was? It was an evangelistic journey. The people that came to America 400 years ago wrote this down in a proclamation before they left to come to America. I'm going to read you what they wrote. Y'all listen? The reason in which we are heading to this new land is to preach and baptize into the Christian religion and propagate the gospel to recover out of the arms of the devil the poor and miserable souls who do not know God who are wrapped up in death invisible and ignorant 
to the wonderful gift of God in Jesus Christ. And to fulfill the accomplishment of the elect who are to be gathered into the kingdom from the four corners of the earth. And to add to the treasures in heaven. Isn't that awesome? That's why they came. To add to the treasures in heaven. Tomorrow night, supposedly on the Family Channel, I haven't checked to see if it's really going to be on yet, but tomorrow night on the Family Channel, probably around 7.30, 8 o'clock, if you have the opportunity, you need to watch it. It's called The Landing. It will show the first landing here in America of the colonists. And what they came here for. What was their purpose for? Now, <clears throat> some people wrote back to London uh, after they had arrived here about some of the things that had happened. Here's some of the things that had happened. 144 people were on the boat. 144 crammed into a ship. I rode to Atlanta many times with a whole bunch of people in my car. And, you know, it, it tries your patience and it, it causes you to kind of grow a little bit. You know, you have to put up with other people's uh, whatevers, bad breaths and everything else that goes along with that. But I can't imagine 144 people on a little tiny ship. Guess what they did? They fought a lot. They argued a lot. When they actually got to America and they were sitting off the coast, they could not wait to get ashore because they wanted to get out of that stinking boat. But they were fighting so much that the pastor said, no, you cannot leave. I refuse to allow anyone to set foot on this shore until they have fasted and prayed and the fighting has ended. His name was Reverend Robert Hunt. He was their assigned chaplain from the King of England. He had authority even over the captain. He commanded to be a three-day fast. So they fasted. He ordered them to be in prayer and repentance. And through that repentance, they made up with everybody. Then he had communion, and then they boarded the boats to go ashore. As they went ashore, he was carrying this flag. This, I looked at it the other day on the internet, the picture. <clears throat> and I remembered that Joel had bought this flag a few weeks ago. So I went and got it. He was carrying this very flag. Just like this. He walked up onto the beach and he set it down and he said, In God we trust. Where have we heard that before? In God we trust. Today on Virginia Beach, our president is there, Jack Hayford, with hundreds of religious leaders from all over the United States. They're going to plant a flag on the beach today to remember his planting of that flag 400 years ago. They've asked all the churches throughout America to ceremoniously plant a flag and to say some words of prayer. As soon as they were through, they of course built a little settlement. After building the settlement, they began to reach out to the Native Americans. 
How many in here can tell me the name of one of the most famous Native Americans who became a Christian? Hmm? Come on now. Pocahontas. How many in here didn't know that? Let me tell you something else. Don't believe what Hollywood puts out about Pocahontas. Pocahontas is buried in England. She went to England because she wanted to visit Christian churches. She went to England because she wanted to be involved with bringing more people to America who could help her people become wiser and smarter and better equipped for the life ahead. In 1613, Reverend Whitaker, who also worked among the Native Americans, said, And you, my brother and my fellow laborers, send up your prayers to God for the church here in Virginia. That since we have been here, the harvest has been great. But the labor is few. Pray that he would thrust forth laborers into the harvest and pray for me as I minister the gospel, that it may be powerful and effectual, that salvation may come to many, and that the kingdom of God may be advanced with the Father, the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. By 1616, enough Native Americans had been converted that they decided to create a Bible college. This Bible college... would not only teach them about the Lord, but would also teach them law. Would also teach them medicine. Would also teach them other things as far as life. That Bible college was called Henrico. It lasted five years. On Good Friday, March 22nd, 1622, those Native Americans who did not like the winning of their families to Christianity who felt that they were changing their way of life and didn't want it. Didn't want this new way of life. On Good Friday they attacked the colonists. They killed 347 colonists here in Virginia or there in Virginia. They burned the college to the ground. Jamestown settlement survived. No one was hurt there. Nobody died in the Jamestown colony because it had been warned by a man named Chincaco, one of the Native American converts who ran to warn his brothers. Sounds to me like he loved God more than he loved his own family. Isn't that what the word says? That if you don't love me more than you love your own family, you're not worthy of me? I'm sure he was branded as a traitor by his own people. But you see, he saw the bigger picture. He saw that life would be different and better than it had ever been before. Someone said, we should have left the Native Americans alone. Yeah, they'd still be down there in South America ripping people's hearts out too if we did. If we left them alone. They would not have improved. 
Don't you realize the improvements that have come because of America? America has done more to change the world than any country ever in the existence of the world. And it's because of the power of Jesus. From 1895 to 1920, 10,000 missionaries went out from America. 10,000 missionaries into the harvest fields. But by 1920, everybody had just kind of gone asleep again. Stopped sending out missionaries. It wasn't a big deal anymore. It wasn't until after World War I that people began to think about missions again. And in 1925, they had started shutting down all the missionary offices here in America. So that hardly anybody was even talking about missionaries anymore. We slipped into the Great Depression. And even though those who believed in the missions were trying to talk about missions... How many has ever seen uh, the movie Sand Devil? Never seen it? You ought to watch it. It's about how when the, when the Boxer Rebellion was going on, that they went throughout China and killed all the missionaries. And there's a, one boat that tries to go and run through the, the Chinese who are, who are blockading the river, and they're going up there simply to rescue American missionaries and bring them back home. We don't get taught that kind of history. But after World War II, when thousands upon thousands of men came back from Europe, after seeing the devastation of war, they came back to America and they began to talk about how can we change this world so there's no more war like that. Douglas MacArthur said, send me a million missionaries. I need them now. Asia is ripe for the missions. We sent them business leaders. They learned how to make cars. Did you know that last week, Toyota surpassed GM as the biggest car maker in the world? First time ever. They finally have they finally done it. They beat us <laughs> in cars. We didn't send the missionaries. In 1945, there was a program started to send missionaries around the world. By 1952, the year that I was born, they had sent 350,000. Now that's a lot of missionaries. But it's not a million. Douglas MacArthur said, send, send us a million. What would have happened had they answered that call? If the changes that we have seen has happened with what went... What would have happened if a million had went? After the 350,000 went, we had two decades of success in America, the 50s and 60s, up into the 70s. But by the end of the 70s, the missionary movement in America was starting to decline again. By 1992, the total number of American missionaries had shrunk to the number that it was before 1950. The world is not a better place and doesn't no longer need missionaries. In fact, if anything, we need more missionaries now than ever before. 
when we look at the Indian culture with 600 gods, we should not see that as a threat. We should see that as a mission field. When we look at the Saudi Arabian Wahhabi export, they're exporting Wahhabism to America. People don't seem to understand that. See, they're, they're sending their missionaries here even though we're not thinking that's what they're doing. They're sending their missionaries here. Islam is one of the fastest growing religions in where? In America. In America. We shouldn't go, oh terrorism, Islam, it's our enemy. We should see it as the greatest mission field that there is. So we say, well I'm not going to minister to Islam, they'll kill you. Okay. Wonderful. Become a martyr, thank God. <laughs> not something anyone desires or wants to be, but why would we shirk back for fear of what man could do to us? Those men that walked across the, the deck plank that morning and walked onto the shores there in Virginia, they'd come a long way and it was a dangerous world. They didn't know what was on that shore, but they courageously stepped out there walked up on shore and began a new world. We need to pray that God would send forth harbor, uh, laborers into the harvest. We need to pray that God would help us like he did the, the leaders of the colony there in Virginia. And we need to renew the covenant of God. Well, this piece of paper that Joel is going to give you is the same covenant that they will read today on the beach. I want us all to stand, take this piece of paper. Let's go outside here in the front of this church and let's read this same covenant as if we're reading it in, in a form of prayer and rededication to God today. Is everyone ready? Would you follow me? Is everyone ready? In the name of God, Amen. We humble ourselves before the divine author of our individual and national existence and ask him to provide a safe journey for us and our children through our next 100, 400 years. Almighty God rules over the universe. He is the Lord of our bodies and our minds. He presides in the council of nations. He is the great provider of all public and private good that was, that is, or that will be throughout our history. He has been our constant friend. Humbly we approach his throne and praise for the wonders which he has done and gratitude for his glorious light of the gospel, whereby through the merits of the gracious Redeemer we may ourselves become the heirs of God's eternal glory. We commit to him that our first and principal desire is to assist our families and neighbors to come to true worship of God as he is revealed in the Bible. We acknowledge that the Bible is itself the government of the people, by the people, and for the people. We remain convinced that the only legitimate purpose of government is to, provide the to promote the welfare of mankind and to secure God-given rights. Therefore, we should choose leaders who entirely love and will promote the common good. 
Our public officials need to be praying people and prayed for people. We ask the God of wisdom, the creator, governor of the world, or the great governor of the world, to encourage our leaders to create laws that would honor him and be in keeping with his word. We recognize that our blessings of liberty cannot be preserved unless we firmly adhere to the foundations of our national policy which were laid in the eternal rules which God himself ordained. When we as individuals are not influenced by these moral principles, we look in vain for public virtue, recognize, recognition of the supreme being has always been the first and most basic expression of Americanism. But even those who do not believe in God receive the blessing of our nation's settled and quiet government. Because God's fundamental principles of liberty form the basis on which our nation's laws were erected, we realize, however, that we are a nation of differing and often competing faiths. A body politics comprised of free men rather than a religious dictatorship imposed upon the unwilling. The manner in which we carry out the duty we owe to our Creator can be directed only by reason and conviction, not by force or violence. Our citizenship duties are to practice Christian forbearance, love and charity towards each other. Bigotry is simply inconsistent with our declaration that Creator God made all men equally free, endowed with inherent rights for the enjoyment of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These truths are self-evident and need no... Thank you, Jesus. And will not and cannot sell these gifts... Or give them away. Amen. Go ahead, keep reading. We depend solely upon the great church of the verse by whom the prizes fall, and the invisible hand, which has given us the choicest bounties of heaven. We recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scripture and given only blessed, whose God is the Lord. We humble ourselves before God's power confess our national sins, pray for his forgiveness. Lord, we sing, in God is our trust, to you in a united chorus. Grant us a new birth of freedom in you, so that our government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth, and continue as one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. All this we ask in the name and through the merits of Jesus Christ.